Well, we're up to episode 20 of LifeWords Q&A. Great to have your company, David Ray, Andrew Morris, chatting about life and faith and uh, how it intersects and plays out in life. David, great to have you again in the studio. Thanks, Andrew. Good to be here. Well, we've got another three questions and uh, they're they're doozies. The first one will be, uh, I've never understood what Jesus meant when he told told us not to cast pearls before swine. We're looking at homeschooling of Christians, uh, of kids. And uh, the public confession of sins. That's all coming up on today's episode. You can email your questions at lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. Well, David, our first question is, I've never uh, understood what it meant by Jesus saying he told us not to cast pearls before swine. Any idea, David? Uh, not much. <laughs> it's one of those uh, interesting statements in Scripture that um, all the scholars and all the experts and all the amateurs, for that matter, where scratch our heads about. And just incidentally, before I go on to comment on it, you know, the Bible's like that. We don't always have easy answers to every single verse or text. So if just in passing you feel as though you don't understand certain verses or certain texts, join the club. We don't understand absolutely everything in the Bible. Now, about this one, yeah, it, it, it's hard to know precisely what he meant, but we've I, I, got to always in these things note the context, and the context is that Jesus has been condemning judgmentalism. Uh, that is, making destructive criticisms of others. And yet he goes on to say what he says here about casting pearls before swine. And I suspect that might mean, in the context, that while we aren't to condemn and judge people and destructively criticise them or write them off, he does urge us to be discriminating. In other words, he seemed to be saying, you've got to make some judgments about people. Perhaps I think he's talking here more generally about discernment. For example, we present the good news to all, but there's some people who are hardened or hostile to it. And Jesus may be saying, and I'm not being dogmatic about this, but Jesus may be saying, don't butt your heads against a brick wall. If you've tried to present the gospel to people, you've tried to talk about the Christian faith and about Jesus to people, and they're hostile or resistant to it, Jesus may well be saying, well, uh, move on. He said this later on when he sent his disciples out on a mission. He said, look, he said, go into all the villages, talk about talk about the things of God. But if people don't receive you, um, he makes the point, shake the dust off your feet and move on. Mm. In other words, I think he's making a strategic sort of judgment there. He's saying, look, you've only got a limited amount of time, a limited amount of opportunities to get the gospel message across. So try to maximise it. I don't think for one minute Jesus is saying, give up on people. Because he never gives up on people. But I think in terms of the limited amount of time we've got, the limited amount of opportunities we have, I suspect that he may be saying, look, share the love of Jesus and message of Jesus with everyone you can. Don't be sucked into trying to get through to some people who are resistant to it to the detriment of your moving on to talk to others who might be more open. I think the evil one can have us uh, through our own pride and ego thinking, I've just got to get this person to Christ, I've just got to get this person to Christ. When in fact, um, Jesus might be saying to us, well, look, <laughs> yes, I'd, I'd love that too, but there are other people who need to hear the message. So, 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 so go on to share it with them as well. We may miss the people who are more responsive if we're focused on those who are resistant. But at the same time, I don't think he's saying, Give up on people, I think he might be saying, okay, strategically withdraw. Don't don't try to do the what seems to be the humanly impossible there. There will be people who are open to the gospel. Move on to them, rather than feeling you have got to win everyone to Christ, because there are some people, sadly, who are resistant. 
and we may be, um, as it were, putting our head against a brick wall if we go on with that and therefore missing the opportunities of, um, uh, of um, having other people embrace the gospel. Because there are some people who are just hostile. Yep. And uh, I, I think the gospel is very precious and people who are just going to trample it underfoot and rubbish it, well, fair enough, we've got to present it. But if they want to do that, I think there is a point at which we just have to say, well, that's, if that's your response, I'm not giving up on you. I'll continue to pray for you, whatever. But I'm not going to just go on and on and on about it. So in, in the context of uh, where it is in the Bible, it's more from your opinion on uh, sort of sharing the gospel rather than uh, just a general piece of uh, everyday wisdom? Yes, I think it, it, it can be applied more generally perhaps, but I, I think Jesus is talking here about um, um, discrimination. We, we need to be discriminate. The gospel is something precious, and we've got to, as it were, do something or, or, or treat it as precious in, in that sort of way. Yes, it, it, it'll be opposed. We, we, we know that. But I don't think there is any future in simply sharing the gospel with people who are simply going to trample it underfoot. Other people may follow us and share the gospel with such people, but I think he's talking about individuals making some judgment. He's, 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 he said, do not judge. But I think he was saying, hey, you've got to make some judgment when you go on with your ministry. Uh, make, you've got to be strategic in some way because Jesus himself was. Yep. You're listening to LifeWords Q&A with David Ray, Andrew Morris. I hope you're enjoying uh, today's episode. We've got another 19 episodes that the, you, you can explore. Plenty of questions. I think we were looking at around 60 questions so far. And you can find them at hopemedia.com.au. Just look for the LifeWords Q&A podcast. You can subscribe to it in the iTunes store. Well recommended as well. Our second question, it's about schooling and, you know, I guess the question of whether Christians should send their kids to Christian schools or public schools or even homeschool. Our questioner asks, David, should Christians homeschool their children? I've been told it's the right thing for Christians to do. Yeah, I'm a bit uncomfortable with people being told that it's the right thing, the right thing for Christians to do in terms of homeschooling their kids. Oh, look, there's nothing essentially wrong with homeschooling, but I think the problem here that is presented as the right Christian option, and I think that overstates the case. I mean, do people do homeschool their kids because they figure their children get a better edu- education that way? They want to be more involved with their children. They want to be part of their children's lives more. They're wary of anti-Christian influences in the wider school. Or, or if you say, well, send your kids to a church school or a Christian school or something, well, they might not be able to afford it. And therefore, they opt for homeschooling. So there's some good, valid reasons for opting for homeschooling. But then again, many, many Christians, well, majority actually, believe that um, no, homeschooling is not the best option for them. They feel they haven't got the time or the skill set to school their children. They're very happy, to be honest, to be saying to their kids, see you later, see you in six hours' time. They want their children to have a wider exposure to other children. And, and, and I think some Christians do feel perhaps that homeschooling may isolate our children or cause them to be overprotective of their children. And they conclude, yes, 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 there are some wider anti-Christian influences in our schools, but they could be counteracted by the examples we set at home. So, look, all I'm saying there is that there are some good arguments for homeschooling, and I wouldn't rubbish a Christian who chooses to do that. But there are also good arguments the other way as well. And uh, so I think it's one of those things where we can be very, very free to choose. Um, I think we've got to beware of the zealots and the extremists, the people who say, oh, homeschooling, that isolates your children and your children grow up to be maladjusted and so on. Well, most of the children I know who are homeschooled are not maladjusted. 
But then again, most Christian kids I know who are educated in the wider schools are not maladjusted yeah. either. I think we've got the freedom. Um, I think we've got to be careful that the zealots for homeschooling got to be very careful that they're not trying to over-control their children or operating out of fear. Oh, there's a big bad world out there. Mm. I must cocoon my child and 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 keep them from it. I'm sorry, you can't do that really. But but look, um, most homeschoolers, I'm sure, are not down that extreme. Um, they're balanced individuals who've made a choice after much prayer. And I think they made a choice which I trust God honours. But then again, many other Christians... Uh, uh, feel differently. It's it's a great. So many Christians are very very troubled about the education of their children. I I, I don't know, David. I mean, I guess that I just think that we're to be salt the salt of the earth, aren't we? Uh, it it would seem to be reasonable that we have a presence in the public school system. Oh yes, and and. and, and my own children went through the public state school system and uh, my wife and I were both very involved in the local state school um, in very many ways and that was a good way of being um, salt and light and, and so on and our children certainly didn't suffer. But the point is I think every, uh, it, just talking about the wider view of the education of our children, I think it, each parent's got to make their own decision. Do I homeschool? Do I send them to the local state school? And we incidentally made that decision but only after seriously looking at the state school. Mm. I'm not going to send my children to any school on the basis of some ideology. I want them to get a good education. Um, some people send their kids to a church-based school, a, you know, a fairly expensive school, because they like the values and the uh, the um, support and the environment that they get there. Others send them to a, a, a Christian faith-based school. Look, all those can be absolutely fine. And uh, I know some Christians who sent one child to the, the local state school, one child to a Christian school, one child to a much more expensive church school because they've made the decision on the basis of what's best for each of their children and I think we can agonise over that in a way but I do believe in the end that the Lord will help us to make an informed decision about our children's education but may it not be based on fear May it not be based on uh, um, just a, a narrow ideology that the state school, I've got to support the state schools, therefore I'll send my child there, or state schools are dreadful, therefore I won't send my child there. I think we've got to be more nuanced and balanced than that. You're listening to LifeWords Q&A, Andrew Morris, David Ray. If you've got a question, please email us lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. That's lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. Our final question for today at church, we never do any public confession of sins. The pastor says it's too morbid. We need to focus on the love and grace of God. Is he right? That does seem to be a sort of a popular way that we're going, isn't it? Sin seems to be left at the, the door, possibly. Yes, and, and, and I think the, the pastor in this case is, is, is sort of both right and wrong. Of course, I think our focus when we gather together as Christians is, is on the grace and love of God. That's that's the final reality. That's That's the bottom line reality. And church gatherings ought never to be um, miserable, guilt-induced meetings where where you feel terrible about yourself when you leave. I mean, I've talked to some Christians who say, every Sunday I go to church and I come out and I feel dreadful about myself. Well, that's terrible. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, that that's not the gospel. Um, but on the other hand... I think this pastor is also wrong. Uh, it's not morbid um, to confess our sins. The Bible urges us to confess our sins. I mean, what's morbid about that? Uh, while we do this, of course, in private prayer times, I think it's also appropriate when we meet together. We collectively say in those cases what we um, privately believe. Um, we're lost sheep and we remind ourselves of just how lost we are. But 
to guard against morbidity or to guard against being miserable, we also remind ourselves that while we're lost sheep, we have a good shepherd. And in some liturgical traditions, um, as in my own Anglican liturgical tradition, um, the old prayer book, which is not much used now, but the old prayer book would always have a public confession of sins to remind yourself of, 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 of how far you've fallen short of the glory of God, but immediately followed by something called the absolution. And the absolution was simply a fancy word for that a declaration of the fact that God forgives you. So bad news, I've sinned. Good news. Through the grace of God, through Jesus Christ, I'm forgiven. Um, so, so I think public confession of sin is a very healthy and appropriate thing to do when we meet together, as long as it is done within the context of an understanding of the forgiving grace of God. In other words, we're not left to wallow in our sins. Um, we admit our sins in order to take hold of um, pardon and grace. And I think if we if we don't publicly confess our sins and acknowledge our shortcomings before God, I don't think we can really appreciate the grace of God. I think we cheapen it. So in other words, we can only really appreciate and value the very good news of forgiveness if we've also come face to face with the very bad news of our need of it. So how does that work? I mean, in the, in the sense that, you know, I know that, uh, that God's amazing grace, I've been saved 2,000 years ago. I was forgiven of my sins of past, of present and of future. So I know that let's say I'm a saint, not a sinner. Indeed you are, Andrew. Saint Andrew. Saint Andrew. So in that capacity that like I'm not wallowing in the fact that I'm sinful, 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 that but actually God has taken care of all of that. How do I I mean, yeah, what's I know we've so just been speaking. Why about do we confess our sins? Yes, because you you're exactly right. I I, I I was saying just in church just the other week that we must not see ourselves when we're sitting in church or anywhere as sinners, as it were, but children of God who sin. Mm. And that's a very different perspective. And when we that's a very important point you raise because when we forgive our, when we confess our sins in church or or privately we are not as it were getting forgiven all over again what jesus did on the cross and when i trusted in what jesus did on the cross for me my sins are forgiven once for all um as far as the east is from the west my sins are removed from me no when i confess my sins in church um what i am doing is simply reminding myself of the fact that I do go on sinning, and that's that's very yeah. true, I remind myself of my need of the grace of God. But I don't confess my sin, either privately or publicly, in order to be forgiven over and over again. I confess my sin in order to remind myself of the fact, yes, I am in so much desperately in need of the grace of God, and thank you, God, that I have received it. So confession of sin is not like it was seen perhaps over in the medieval church that you had to every time there was a sin that you committed you had to get forgiven all over again it's like the priest used to have to declare the last rites over people because yeah. uh, um, you made a final confession of your sin otherwise you might end up going to hell I mean you committed a sin you went to church you got forgiven um, and then you got run over by a bus uh, five minutes later if you hadn't had a chance to forgive a sin that might have been committed in those five minutes 
uh, you went to hell. Now, that's a very crude way and a mechanical way of looking at the whole thing of confession and forgiveness. My sins were forgiven when I first put my trust in Jesus Christ on the cross and they remain forgiven. When I confess my sin in church or in private, what I am doing is not, as it were, confessing them in order to get it over and over again. Like last Sunday, I confessed my sins, but I've accumulated a whole lot since then. So next Sunday, I go back and do the same thing. No, it's not like that. I am forgiven. What I'm reminding myself when I confess my sins in church or privately is to say, God, I so much need that forgiveness and thank you for it. Because I see, uh, I, I get a sense in the in many churches today that we've moved on from there. Like, okay, we know that that we know that we're sinners. Let's move on and we go forward. We go. Do you, do you know what I mean, David? Like, oh yes, we we seem to. Okay, that's that's uh, that's the line in the sand. Let's just move on and let's look at bringing the kingdom of God here on earth and let's go healing and all that kind of stuff, evangelism. Um, and, and it just there doesn't seem to be a place for that in 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 a Sunday service these days. That's right, and 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 as I say, I I I feel that's sad because the confession reminds me of my need of the grace of God and reminds me that yes, when I do go about extending the kingdom of God and healing and praising and all this sort of thing. I am still yet a flawed individual who so often falls short of the glory of God. And I think there is a need for some sort of basic, humble self-awareness of the fact that I am a lost sheep who has fallen short of the glory of God. And yet, very quickly, add to that, that I am found by a good shepherd. So yes, 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 you know, we, we need to move on from there. And I stress that this business of confession and so on is in no way to dominate our proceedings. It's no way to, uh, uh, as I say, to wallow in our sins. As I say, I've, I've had Christians who leave church feeling terrible about themselves. But then again, it's not the role of the church to leave you feeling good about yourself either. It's the role of the church to remind you of the basic truth of the gospel. You are much loved by God, but very much in need of that love. And just one other thing too, Andrew, in terms of the confession of of sin and so on, um, there is a world of difference between being con- feeling condemnation that I'm a miserable, worthless sinner of utterly no value to God. That's terrible. That's condemnation. And the Bible says there is no condemnation for yeah. those in Christ Jesus. But conviction of sin, oh, that's very different. Conviction of sin is when the Holy Spirit, as it were, taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, you know, come on, you're going the wrong way. You yep. need to step back. You need to you need to, again to remind yourself of the need of the grace of God. And I think conviction is very healthy. And I think that's what true confession reflects. Conviction. I need always to appropriate the forgiveness that I have in Christ. Condemnation is basically saying, I give up. Yep. I'm hopeless. And there's no place for that. You've been listening to LifeWords Q&A. You can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or hope1032.com.au. Thanks for your company. That was a very interesting discussion. David, likewise, as always, interesting talks, and look forward to speaking to you next time. Thanks, Andrew.